You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Good morning, everyone.、Um, I was about to introduce myself, but then I realized you just saw myself on TV. So yeah, I'm the same person, and I highly encourage you to、uh, register to the foundations course. You see a lot of me there. I hope you don't get tired, but、uh, I think it's going to be a great time, especially the meetings that we're going to spend together. But I'm here for a different reason. I'm here to continue our series called Counterculture, where we are going over the fruit of the spirit. That we read in Galatians five. So I want to start with the text,、uh, talk a little bit about these verses again, and then I'm going to talk about today's topic, which is one part of that、uh, fruit of the spirit. So to begin with our、uh, main text, it's in Galatians five verses twenty two to twenty five, and it reads, "But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such things there is no law." And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. The main thrust of this of this passage is to give us an idea, a vision for the kind of people that Christ wants to make us into, the kind of vision that God has for us as the kind of person He wants to make us into, and it's countercultural because it's not our natural trajectory. It's not our natural tendency to be that kind of people. There are outside forces. Sometimes it is culture. Sometimes it's other people that might want to shape us into a different kind of person. But we also find in ourselves desires and inclinations that pull us to different directions. Sometimes. Maybe to be closer to this kind of vision, but very often to stray away from it.、Um, so the the idea of the the fruit of the spirit is not only to know what the spirit is doing in us, but to have us desire to be that kind of person as well. And it's more than just leaving bad behavior behind. You know, like God wants us to make into the kind of person that doesn't do this and doesn't do that and X, Y, and Z. And as long as we leave behind certain behaviors, then that's it. That's the vision. It's not really that. God has a much more positive picture. He wants us to be, to do, to live a certain kind of life that is characterized by this fruit of the spirit. And another thing that is also very important to know before we, you know, jump into the topic and talk about、uh, today's topic, which is joy, is to understand that God doesn't want us to achieve those things alone. It's not about our efforts. About you know, now you go home, muster enough willpower, and be this person, and be joyful, and be all these things.、Um, but neither is it just waiting around to see when God will do it. It's seeing God work in us as we work with Him. It's together. It's cooperation with God. We can't do without Him, but also it's not about just sitting around waiting for it to happen. God wants us to take action, but wants us to see Him in action, doing those things in our lives.、Uh, the way that Richard parted in our first message、uh, in the series is: it is about creating the conditions where this fruit can grow, and this is what we want to take away from it today. And today's topic: it's joy. And now you might wonder, like, how is joy countercultural? Like, doesn't everyone want joy?、Uh, the title of the sermon is "Joy Over Despair." And who prefers despair? You know, what society ever preaches that the way to a happy life is despair? That says how we live a, a fulfilled life. Doesn't like each one of us desire and seek joy rather rather than despair? 
So how is it that it can be countercultural to have joy instead of despair? This is what we want to explore today. And I hope I will answer this as we go through uh, this topic. So I know it might be a little cliche to start here, but it's always important to start speaking about joy uh, by looking at what joy isn't. And I'm sure you've heard some of this before. Bear with me. I think it's worthwhile going over these things again, because I think they will open up, um, you know, our understanding to what kind of joy God wants to give us. And the first thing that joy isn't is just feeling happy, just the feeling of or experience of pleasure or happiness. And I know that we've said that many times, but I feel like very often, even when I read it, oh, sorry, when I hear it, you know, that joy is one thing and happiness is a different thing. I feel I'd rather have happiness. You know, if, if joy doesn't have anything to do with happiness, give me some happiness. I don't want anything to do with that kind of joy. Uh, but this is not what we mean, that you can have joy without, joy without ever feeling happy. But it's not the feeling itself. Because first of all, the first thing to understand about joy and about any other, other these facets of the fruit of the Spirit is that the best way to describe them is as Christian virtues. And virtues are not feelings per se, but dispositions of character, ways that we are inclined to behave, to feel in certain circumstances. So let's say a very classic uh, kind of virtue is courage. So what does it mean to say that someone is courageous, that they have the virtue of courage? Does it mean that they feel courage all the time when eating cereal, when tying their shoelaces? No, they don't have to. But a courageous person is someone who... When the circumstances call for courage, they will be inclined to, to act courageously, to even feel courage. It, they are disposed to behave in a certain way in certain circumstances. So Christian joy is not the feeling happy all the time, but the inclination, the disposi disposition to rejoice when joy is called for, to rejoice even when things, when it, it's hard to rejoice. I think the Psalms have a great example and many great examples, but just to bring one of them, in Psalm 30, 31, verse 7, we read the psalmist saying, I will rejoice and be glad in your steadfast love, because you have seen my affliction, you have known the distress of my soul. The situation where he was here, was it was one of affliction, of anguish, of distress, but he was inclined to rejoice and be glad. That's, that's feeling happy as well. But he took action to rejoice. He was disposed to rejoice even when the situation was hard. And now there is a different kind of pushback that you might have when you hear that. Because then it might feel like um, Christian joy, it's about putting on a smile when things get hard. You know, kind of pretending that they are not as hard or suppressing feelings of sadness, feelings of grief, not giving them any room. It's about um, pretense, you know, it's about things are not as bad and I'll put on a smile and I'll fake some happiness. And that's not the kind of joy that want, that God wants us to give us. That might be the sort of the idea that we get when we hear, and oftentimes we hear because it's true to some extent, that Christian joy is independent of circumstances. Okay, I've said that many times before. And it is true in a sense, because it doesn't depend on the many circumstances on which people will stake their happiness. 
because we might feel like it depends on me being healthy and having such, such and such a thing in life. And we say joy doesn't depend on that. But joy does depend on circumstances. And this is what I want to share with you today. It depends on the right circumstances. And Christian joy is not about pretending that things are not as bad as they are, about faking happiness. Christian joy arises from truly understanding our circumstances, from truly know where we are, where we stand, and where we are going, what the circumstances really are. Because once we understand those and we meditate on that, then we'll see that we have all that we need to actually rejoice and be glad even when things seem to go, uh, seem not to call for that. So the first thing is that joy arises from knowing where we are right now, understanding our present circumstances. Uh, there is a passage in a very ancient book that always stuck with me. It was written by a guy named Boethius around the year 500, so very long ago. He was a Christian philosopher who also happened to be a very high official in the court of the king. And because of some political in intrigue, he was sent to prison and he was uh, awaiting for his execution. And it was an unfair um, imprisonment, unfair execution that he, he went through. And in prison, as you might expect, he was feeling quite miserable because of his situation, especially seeing other people get away with what they were doing against him. And he wrote a book that was famous throughout all the Middle Ages called The Consolation of Philosophy. And in that book, he, he wrote, he writes as if he is uh, visited in his cell by a woman embodying philosophy, very similar to Lady Wisdom, that, like the character of Lady Wisdom that we see in the book of Proverbs. Because in the book of Proverbs, like in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is sort of um, embodied in the figure of a woman who shares wisdom with humanity. So like he's visited in his cell by that kind of character who wants to bring him some wisdom in his misery. And after he explains to that woman why he's feeling so miserable, in that cell, she says to him, now I understand why you're miserable, because you forgot your true nature. You forgot who you are as a human being. And from then on, she explains to him how understanding who human beings are really changes the perspective that we have in life. And that stuck with me because very often in my life, I was worrying about things, being anxious about things, uh, sad about things that had nothing to do with my purpose as a human being created by God. And I allowed those things to rob me of the joy that I already had in the Lord. Um, so what what is it about human nature? What is it about us uh, that if we really take a deep look at who we are as God's creature uh, can give us joy? Uh, before I answer that, what is it that robs us from that joy? What are the kinds of misunderstanding about who we are uh, that can actually send us over to despair rather than over to joy? Uh, we despair often because we stake our happiness on things that cannot sustain it. We despair when we cannot get those things, when we seem never to make any improvement to getting those things, whether it's career success, wealth, uh, material possessions, some kind of relationship, other people's admiration, social status. When we seem not to get those things, not getting any closer to them, we might despair because if our happiness depends on those things and we 
can't get any closer. Maybe we'll never be happy in life. And there isn't even a Christian version of that hope that says that that's what God wants for you. That God's plan is for you to be famous or to be admired by other people or to have certain kind of romantic relationships, certain kinds of experiences in life, to have maybe an expensive car, a big house. And there is a sort of a Christian coding on that hope that says that, you know, you can take joy because one day God will give, give you those things in this life. And maybe that's not the case, but maybe because that's not what God has made you for. But there's even a worse kind of despair than not getting those things, which is getting those things. Mm -hmm. Getting those things and then realizing that what you stake on happiness and cannot ever sustain your happiness. That those things did not live up to their promise. And if those things couldn't make you happy, then what else in life could make you happy? And then there is a very good chance that that would take us to some dark places if we cannot get um happiness in this life and another way that we despair is when we find that we fail to be enough that you know the reasons that we don't get those things and that we can't enjoy that them it's because we keep sabotaging ourselves because we are our great greatest obstacle because we stand in our own in the way between us and happiness and we can't ever seem to get out of that situation we keep failing ourselves in our quest to happiness and then we despair but if god has made us for something something that he prepared beforehand for us to do with him we can do it we don't have to be enough because it's enough that he is with us so that's why we despair because we think that we have to be the person that will be able to actualize ourselves and realize ourselves so joy comes from not putting our our happiness on those things but from knowing how blessed we already are and we cannot understand how blessed we already are unless we understand that we are God's creation and uh, just a couple of verses to give us some direction here uh, that really tells us what is what does it mean to be human as God's creation the first one is in Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 where Paul says for in him in Christ all things were created, that includes us, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities or ourselves, all things have been created through him and for him. He is the purpose of all creation and he is the purpose of our existence. We were made for him. So as long as we live for anything else, there is no way that we can't have joy. But as long as we can live for him, then our joy can be complete. And what does it mean to live for him? It's more practical than that. It's not only to have a relationship with him, to know him, to love him. All those things are important. But there's, there are things for us to do as well. In Ephesians, Paul says, For we are God's handiwork. Again, it goes back to our creation. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Way before we were born, God was envisioning things for us to do, ways for us to walk on, things that only you, as the unique creation that you are, only you were called to do. And it was at the essence of your creation that you were made for those things. So as long as we can 
do those things, do the good works that God prepared beforehand for us to do, and that we can live for Christ, who is the reason for our existence, then we can experience joy. It does depend on circumstances, but it depends on those circumstances. But thanks be to God that those circumstances have been guaranteed to us by Christ, by what he did at the cross. Because it was because, it was because what he did there, by dying for our sins, by reconciling us with God, that we can now live for him, that we are not alienated anymore from him, that we are not separated forever from him, but we can actually approach God and live our lives in him and for him. And it was also because of the power then that he gave us, the power manifested in his resurrection, the power given through the Spirit, as we see in the day of the Pentecost, the, the power is still living today in us, that we can then work the good works that he prepared for us beforehand. So the circumstances on which our joy depends have been guaranteed by Christ, and we can never lose it. We can never lose those things. Paul, again, in Romans, he says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The things that we need to be joyful, the things that we need to fulfill the purpose of our existence, we cannot lose it. We cannot lose them because Christ has guaranteed them to us. If we look at all that God has already given us in Christ, we can rejoice despite the circumstances. But we are not blind to circumstances, right? We are not blind to the suffering around us. Oh, I forgot. This is a very important slide. I summarize it very neatly by saying that Christian joy is the inclination to put things in the right perspective. So when life gets hard and tempts you to thinking, you know, I will not be happy because this, I will not be happy because I cannot achieve that. I will not be happy because this thing has not lived to its promise. Christian joy puts things into perspective and asks you, who are you as God's creation? Can you live out your life's purpose? Can you live out life's meaning? You can because of what Christ did for you. And you can rejoice in that that you can know God, you can love him and be loved by him, that you can be with him and you can do the very works he prepared you for. That's Christian joy. But as I was saying before I, I uh, went too much ahead, uh, even though those things are true, we are not ignorant of suffering. We are not blind to suffering in ourselves, the suffering around us. And, and that's another reason that, you know, sometimes we despair. It's because when we look towards the future, we see things not changing. We cannot see a way out. We cannot see a way forward. And we have no hope. But Christian joy, it's intimately connected to Christian hope. Because for now, the joy that we have, um, we have to classify it in a way, we qualify it in a way. It is joy despite certain things. We can experience joy despite things not going well in life, despite sickness and death and injustice and oppression and, um, you know, suffering in general. But God has promised that one day we'll have joy without any despites. There will not be joy in the presence of suffering. We'll be just joy without any tears, without any suffering. All things will be made right. 
all evil will be done away with, and joy will be without any despite. So Christian joy, it's intimately connected with hope. We read that in, for example, in the life of Christ. His joy was connected with hope. In Hebrews, we read, um, let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us, again, the things that we were called to do, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It was because of the joy that was coming in the future, what he knew that was going to happen, that he was able to endure the suffering that was very much real. He didn't have to pretend it wasn't happening. He didn't have to suppress his grief, but it was because of the future joy that he was able to endure. And we read that, that that is true for us as well. In the Old Testament, in Proverbs, in Proverbs, we read that the hope of the righteous brings joy. Joy arising out of hope, out of expecting certain things in the future. And in Romans, again, we read Paul saying to us, Rejoice! In hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. So one component of joy is understanding where we are, the blessings that we already have in Christ, and who we are as human beings created for God for to do his works. But there is also a component that looks to the future. Joy coming from knowing where we are going. It is the joy that comes from hope. So we can also say that Christian joy is also the inclination to remember that our hope is in Christ Jesus. The inclination to remember when things are hard and difficult and we suffer, to remember that our hope is in Christ Jesus and that his promises will come true and our joy one day will be complete and without any despite. So why is Christian joy countercultural? It is in the way that we seek and pursue and experience that joy. You know, when people face despair because the things that they have attached their happiness to fails them or they fail to get those things, a very common answer is detachment. It's very common. It's like a stoic kind of answer that if I don't want anything too much, if I don't love anything too much, I'll never get hurt. I'll never suffer. And that is as much joy as I can have in this life. This is not the Christian answer. It's not to detach ourselves from things, but to attach our happiness to the right things and to the things that will never fail us, to the things that can never be lost again. And it's not from self-realization, from us working out our own happiness and find inside ourselves, you know, the source and the fountain where our happiness will come from, but it is from participating in what God is doing what God is doing in our lives, what God is doing around us. It is participating in God's work that we find the realization for our very being. So how does joy flourish? What can we do as we go home and think about Christian joy? What can we do other than just muster enough willpower to just feel joy in the face of darkness? What are the conditions that we can create for the spirit to make joy flourish in our hearts. Since joy is the inclination to remember our hope, to remember who we are as God's creation, it's the inclination to put things in God's perspective, then joy flourishes in frequent remembrance and meditation of God's truth. These are the right conditions for joy 
to flourish. This is how we can say and sing, whatever my lot, it is well with my soul. It's because we remember, because we meditate, because we reflect on God's promise. We reflect on his word. So let's meditate on God's word. Let's learn. Let's read. Let's discuss. Let's think about it day and night. Who are we in Christ Jesus? What has Christ already bought us? Which are the promises of God that we can be certain that will come true in our lives and that we'll see them with our own very eyes? Um, those things are the things that will bring us joy. You can, for example, register to Foundations course. We'll help you do that and learn more about God's word and how to navigate God's word. So this can be true in your life. So when things seem to be difficult and happiness seem to be unattainable, you can remember what God has done and what he has promised that he is going to do. So yes, in a sense, joy does depend on the circumstances. It depends on the right circumstances but the ones that have been guaranteed by Christ is knowing him and is living out our life's purpose in Christ. So I want to finish with what Paul says in Philippians 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Amen. Have a good week, everyone. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.